Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I just realized this is the show number 69. It's been one year and four months that I, since I've been doing this show. Time runs so fast. But I'm still looking for ways to make this show more interesting and more useful to you. So that's why I so much appreciate when you send me your emails with your suggestions and comments. Once again, today, we'll have an open mic show. Before we begin, I would like to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that I welcome not only callers who are facing some emotional or physical challenges, but also, and last week was the first time I initiated this dimension to the show, I welcome calls from those who face some emotional and physical challenges and successfully address them. I believe it would be uh, quite useful for people to hear not just how I would address the issues, but how people did it for themselves. Even if you addressed some challenges partially, you can still call. Perhaps I can be helpful in completing your work. Last week, a gentleman that I announced this initiative uh, in the first five minutes of the show. And right after I announced it, a gentleman called. I'm so happy. You know, he, he shared with his story of being incarcerated and then studying and graduating with master's degree in social work and after incarceration, uh, getting his postgraduate training. And now he's working as a, I believe, play therapist with children. It's an amazing, amazing story. I, I'm actually feeling sorry that I didn't go a little deeper and ask him uh, of the steps, how I know he uh, converted to Islam. But I would want to know what was happening in his um, within his inner transformation, how it was changing his character, uh, and how long it took him to shift. But just I'm so grateful that he did call and shared with his story. You also, of course, can call in with your night dreams. I always remind you of that. If you want me to work with you on your night dreams, and remember, a night dream is the best, the best body of knowledge you can have or work with because it's not only a reflection of who you are and where you are in life, it's also a blueprint of where you're going. Uh, but the wonderful thing about the blueprint is that you can change the blueprint and therefore you can change the course of your life. That's why of all the, I, I, I teach a number of disciplines. Uh, in fact, I teach, I have taught for the last 40 years over 30 different courses, but the most valuable body of knowledge to learn is how to work with your nine dreams. And here you have an opportunity at least to, to, to share your dream and, and to see how, how one can work on them. Also, yesterday, I finished teaching the fourth, uh, the four week course, the fourth class, it was the last class. Uh, some of you probably know I offered 
to teach a free course uh, named um, Understanding Yourself and Others, Yourself and Others. And I think it was quite a good course and I got a very good feedback from people. Uh, thank you again. I hope somebody uh, who took a course is with us now. Uh, it, it was re really wonderful. I know that it was beneficial from the, getting the feedback. It was beneficial to those who took the course, but it was also wonderful for me to see faces because right now, dear audience, I, I, I talk to you and I, for this year and four months I've been talking and I don't see people I'm talking to. I'm not used to it. I, all these years I taught live classes. Uh, and so now I had an opportunity to see my listeners and it was wonderful. Now when I talk, uh, I actually see you guys uh, in my mind. Um, so, as I said, this is an open mic show, so I welcome your calls right now. If you want, you can call. I remind you, my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy. I work with people who have anxiety, uh, who, who are suffering from depression, uh, who have relationship problems, but also I work with people who have serious physical illnesses, helping them to understand the meaning of their illness and teaching them tools to stimulate the immune system and um, even how to address the symptom that they're experiencing. But every symptom has behind it uh, a meaning, uh, an idea, uh, because I believe that the inner and outer, our physical body is just a manifestation of the inner conflicts. So. The telephone number to call is 888-874-4888. Once again, 888-874-4888. I welcome you to call. I, I will continue talking so we would not have just quiet. Even though I have to tell you, uh, King Solomon supposedly the wisest man ever lived, said, I had many teachers in my life, but the greatest of all is silence. So, but I cannot have this radio show where we all sit quietly, although and without speaking in total silence, although I think it would be actually a good experiment to have. I want, I want your feedback. Please write to me. Uh, you, as I said, you can call, but you can also write to me an email, drpeterresnik at gmail.com, d-r-p-e-t-e-r-r-e-z-n-i-k at gmail.com. And uh, I want to hear what you have to say about having silence as part of our uh, show that is maybe just sitting for three minutes silently not sitting and thinking, but just like people who meditate, you sit quietly, but you know that a thousand people is sitting quite quietly with you. It's like communal meditation. I wonder what would come out of it. It's just a thought. While I'm waiting for callers, I will remind you once again, that we're still working on 
on my big projects, on the six pillars of well-being, and we're still on the fifth pillar. Remember, it's the biggest body of work to work on because it's our conscious attitudes and character traits. And I have to tell you, I, uh, I think I told you actually that originally I had 10, then 13 character traits or attitudinal challenges that people face. The first 10, I even called them 10 plagues. Uh, though, though, because I was writing a book, uh, my students said, no, no, don't call it plagues because nobody will buy the book. People don't like it. It's too frightening. So I called it 10 attitudinal challenges, but then it became 13. And I made it in, uh, into, I didn't write it as a book, but I made it into um, audio, a video program, actually. Uh, but then I came up with three more. And I want to tell you something. This weekend, I realized that there were two more that I did not cover. So while again, while I'm waiting for someone cool to call, I welcome anyone and, and I will stop talking. But I want to remind you what those challenges are. And each of them can ruin a person's life. And yet if you transform it, if you... Um, transform it into the opposite, you may change your life. So we worked already. I spoke to you on one show about guilt, judgment, worry, expectations, arrogance, ingratitude, doubt, anger, apathy, jealousy. Uh, last week we spoke about vanity. Uh, I can talk today about greed and then denial. These are the subjects that I actually covered. I, have things to say. I have my notes. But then I came up uh, in the last year with three more impatience, self-centeredness, and stubbornness. And this weekend, I started working on the uh, writings of a great master, um, Moses Maimonides, who lived in 12th century, maybe some of you know those who live in, in New York City, in Brooklyn particularly. Uh, Saint BK. Okay, Saint BK, please, you're on the air. I will continue talking later, ladies and gentlemen. You're on the air. Yes, good so, afternoon, Dr. Resnick, good afternoon. Saint good afternoon. How, how do I call you, I'm sorry, do I call you, it's written Saint BK. B-K-L-Y, and that's Brooklyn. Oh, <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> okay, and, and Saint? Yeah, that's my first nickname, my nickname. Oh, it's your, wow, what a, what a nickname. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big nickname to live up to. Yes, anyway, exactly. Thank you for calling. You have a question or a comment, Saint? Yes, I heard you speaking about certain ailments and symptoms that could be a background to that particular ailment or a symptom that could be uh, relating to something or how your lifestyle has been, or maybe there's a cure for that. And my question resolves around uh, prostate, BPH, the enlargement of the prostate, and why is that prevalent in, with black men, the black race? Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you for the question. Uh, yeah, just I remind uh, everyone what Saint said. BPH is a benign prostatic hyperplasia. Uh, uh, many of you probably heard about uh, prostate cancer. This is not prostate cancer, thank God, but simply uh, uh, enlarged prostate. Saint, I actually did not know that it's more prevalent among black men uh, than uh, Caucasian men. Uh, I didn't know. So let's, let us think together. First, let's think about the meaning of the organ. You heard me say that I believe that every organ has a meaning. So we'll, we'll, it, it's, it's a fantastic. Man, I, I want to tell you, I'm so thankful that you, you brought up this question because it allows me to, to address your question, but also the whole idea of the meaning of the body. Look, we have eyes. They have meaning to see. We have heart. It has a meaning uh, to pump blood, but also there is a meaning to it, and it's about love. And you will say, what do you mean? That's, that's metaphor. No, that's not metaphorical. There are actually studies that show that people who uh, lose a spouse have twice as high risk of dying from a heart attack than the average. And there are many, many. There, there, there is a whole, actually, book uh, written. Let me see. I have here on, on my shelf somewhere. Anyway, and I don't remember the title. Um, but, but, oh, yeah, Love and, Surva uh, Love and Survival, uh, written by Dean Ornish. So... So, but it cannot be, it, which means it, it connects uh, love and having and loss of love and having heart problems. But it cannot be that one organ is meaningful and the other one is not. So every organ has meaning, like for arms. Uh, what do we do with arms? You know, depends on the meaning for a person. One person will say, we do, we create. So it's connected with creativity. Somebody else will say, we fight because he is a boxer. So for him, uh, that's uh, that's boxing and so on. So what is the meaning of prostate? What does prostate do? Prostate produces prostaglandins, uh, which actually uh, allow sperm to survive in quite challenging environment once it enters. Uh, the woman, uh, the, the canal. Uh, and so without a prostate, a person cannot have children. And without a prostate, uh, a person will have difficulties uh, having sex. So that's my understanding. Uh, also, you know, sex is, is a sign of masculinity. Uh, Saint, I, I'm trying now to go along, kind of trying to answer your question, not just in general. You ask a question, why African-American men have a higher rate of prostate cancer? Uh, I'm sorry, BPH. But... Uh, yeah, I see Saint uh, hung up, but it's okay. I will I will continue answering his question because it's such a good question. So, uh, 
they from studio they showed me that saint um, hung up that that's perfectly fine he brought up such an interesting question what i would be interested in knowing is is bph uh, also more prevalent among uh, not african american but black people from uh, who live in africa that would be a very interesting uh, thing to discover. I don't have these statistics. And the reason I tell you why this, this thought comes to me is because I, I don't believe it is a case now because there are, there are so many wonderful uh, com uh, people who, uh, um, African-Americans who have businesses, who prosper. Uh, we had a black president. But I would say, uh, particularly in the past and in some places even now, because of the prejudice, uh, because of racism, black men were kind of uh, oppressed. They, they would not be permitted to thrive and to have positions that, that Caucasians would have. And so that would be kind of emasculating them. And that's possibly would be one of the causes. I'm not sure. I'm just thinking as as I'm going. So, but in general, in general, for men, that would be the benign prostatic book pleasure. It's like a kind of a light form. It's before somebody, God forbid, gets prostate cancer. Both are connected with masculinity uh, and and children, which means I actually saw somebody um, who had big, a lot of guilt regarding his children. And I do mental exercises to, to understand where the problem comes from. And uh, he had prostate cancer. And when we did the exercises, Jay from New York, in one, one minute, I will pick up uh, uh, we'll have Jay from New York. So, but uh, so the man I'm talking about uh, discovered that he really had a lot of guilt about his relationship with his children. He developed a problem. But the the, the direct answer to to Saint's question is it's it is either about sex or or procreation. Now we have Jay from New York. You're on the air. Welcome. Yes, hi. Can you hear me okay? Oh, perfectly. Thanks for calling. Thank you for being there. Uh, I have a question that applies to all of us, to everybody. Uh, over the last two years, uh, we've gone through this whole COVID experience, mm -hmm. and it's impacted everybody everywhere. And the point is that stress impacts our health in many, many profound ways. It can kill, it can hurt. Uh, I went through a very stressful time in my life uh, some years ago, and it caused me to uh, get glaucoma. But that's just me. I'm not asking about me, but just using it as an example. But uh, you know better than I that there was a very famous uh, uh, healer. I don't remember if he was an MD or a PhD. Uh, who was the expert on stress going back uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Is that right? 
Yes, yes. Uh, let me remember his name. The one yes, who wrote. I remember it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but the, the point last... Moon, is that if you, with all your wisdom and experience with mind and body, uh, might be able to help connect the dots and provide us all with a perspective of how we might more successfully go forward where, you know, this COVID era uh, has impacted our finances, our health, our livelihood, um, uh, everything about our lives. And there are indications that other things may be coming along. Uh, you know, they're talking about, uh, even though this may not be in your expertise, this talk about a, a digital dollar, which might uh, take away there's a lot of crazy things out there, and yeah. you can't even think of them all. So I'm just going to hang up at this point, and yeah. I think that you know exactly what to do and help us all have a way of de-stressing in our lives with your mind-body perspectives so we can all go forward. Thank you very much, Jay. It's such a phenomenal question. It's such a great question. I, I don't know <laughs> is if if, uh, if to tr to try to answer it fully to try to answer your question I don't know if one hour is enough because you brought up so much uh, you, you brought up our uh, what we have been through as as a community world community and community in, in the United States. Uh, and there is such thing as as community experience. Those of you who are my age, maybe a little younger, but who lived through September 11, 2001, you remember what stress we experienced. It was horrific and we experienced it as a country. We were all so traumatized. I know a number of people who actually moved out of New York City because they developed kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. And Mr. Psychologist, you know, I, I, as if I'm supposed to be together and, and know how to deal with stress, but I actually remember uh, a month or, or more after the event, uh, walking uptown and walking by a tall building and then crossing the street and catching myself that I'm actually crossing the street because of the thought, if if some if this building will begin to collapse, I don't want to be, which was totally irrational, you know, five building, five story building will kill you as much as as a 25 story building. But that was totally unconscious anxiety reaction. So we all suffered then as a community. And but that was an event that happened. And we had an enemy to look at. Somebody did it to us, which is much easier than uh, the enemy that is a virus. And even though some people, uh, and that's a whole other subject, I will not go into it, believe that it was all done deliberately and uh, call it not pandemic, but plandemic, uh, in fact, Peter Bregan, MD, wrote a book, uh, COVID-19, Global Predators, and We Are the Prey, where he demonstrates, and, and he's a scientist, he's a medical doctor, he 
very clearly demonstrates with all the references. It's a fantastic book that demonstrates that the whole operation, the whole COVID story was planned as early as 10 years ago. So, and uh, uh, Mr. Schwab, who wrote a book, COVID-19 um, Great Reset, wrote clearly about, about this Great Reset that you're talking about. Uh, you mentioned that changing currency and making, creating kind of a totalitarian world and it's our responsibility, if that is indeed true, and Dr. Bregan and a number of thinkers uh, and people who are quite prominent in our society think that it is true, then it's a scary thing. So now I'm adding to your anxieties. The question you brought up is what do we do about it? Well, before anything, we start with idea that uh, I actually shared with my audience on the, my very first show. Uh, and that was living in the times of uncertainty. Because we were given a false idea that there is such a thing as certainty. And suddenly now we don't know what will happen to us COVID-19. Remember, that was uh, a year and four months ago, I, I wrote, I wrote, um, I, I made uh, these notes for myself and I spoke at the show. And I demonstrated at that time there were 300, I think 300,000, 350,000 people who died from supposedly from COVID-19 though it seems that the numbers were exaggerated and people were dying from other illnesses and still were counted as COVID-19. But in 2020, when I started doing the show, um, by the, and it was in December, th over 300,000 people died from COVID. And I said, listen, and before COVID, it seemed that we, we, we had certainty, we had safety. But it's absolutely not true, because 170,000 people uh, in, died in, 19, in 2019 from different accidents, car accidents, falling, poisoning. So in the morning they woke up and they didn't think that they will die, but they did. Then 250,000, that's minimum, some estimations are much greater, but 250,000 people died from medications taken as prescribed, which made uh, medical doctors or medicine number three killer um, in the United States after uh, cancer and heart attacks. So what I was saying is that we, we, there is no such thing as certainty. We have to learn to live with uncertainty, to accept that life is uncertain. Uh, right now we have, uh, hopefully we're getting over it, a uh, COVID story, and maybe we'll have another story, and we have to accept that we live in the world, and always lived, you know, in the old times, you think thousands of years ago, that the world was safer? No, 
any time there were gangs and and that were invading uh, villages and there were armies that were slaughtering people and so on life was never certain so if you have faith what you do is you pray and uh, you do your best to assure that you're safe within reasonable uh, limits which means you do your best like when it was necessary you know i don't know how useful they were but we were uh, keeping distance from each other and we were wearing masks that's it that's all you can do and then you either give up on life or you participate in life and you leave the rest to god or to nature if you want uh, but what can you do to protect yourself? Uh, you can strengthen your immune system. So that's the best you can do. You can do mental exercises. And I, I think I gave some mental exercises and I will gladly do, do it again if people are interested on creating uh, energetic cocoon, protecting oneself from negativity and from particles. I helped a lot of people with... Uh, who, who suffer from pollen, you know, pollen season, they announce it on, uh, on the radio, on television, and suddenly people are suffering from pollen in the spring. And I have an exercise where people do this uh, cocoon in their mind. Um, and I found that it's been very, very helpful to many people. So, uh, in terms of immune system, I personally, uh, I started doing it after I had COVID. I had COVID in March 2020. And it, it really scared me. It knocked me out seriously. I had fever 203 for 11 days. So, and I said, I don't never want to go through this again. And I decided to follow uh, Wim Hof, if you don't know who Wim Hof is, go on the internet and write Wim, W-I-M, and the last name Hof, H-O-F. Uh, in fact, I interviewed him on uh, one earlier radio, uh, the show, shows that I had here, somewhere in, in the spring of 2021. Uh, he graciously appeared on our podcast on PRN, and uh, he actually teaches how to strengthen your immune system. He ran a uh, marathon barefoot in his uh, shorts, his trunks uh, bare-chested in uh, Arctic Circle. So and I'm, I'm not suggesting that anybody learns to jog, not even a marathon, but even a hundred yards barefoot but he teaches how to expose yourself slowly to elements for example i started um, doing my morning routine i just warm-up exercises for 10 minutes in september i'm talking about last september and then as the weather was getting cooler i still was exercising on my terrace and then i went pretty much through through winter uh, and i was uh, going to to a park in my shorts and a t-shirt and the, the coldest temperature i was doing it in was um, 
21 degrees, 21 degrees Fahrenheit, which is quite cold. And I have to tell you that in the past, and I'm 67 years old, I would say every single year, at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, I would catch a cold, not a big deal, but usually when the fall would come, I would buy NyQuil because I, I know, I knew that I would get a cold. Uh, but the last two years uh, since I started doing this, or a year and a half since I started doing Wim Hof exercises, I did not have one cold. So I think it works. So this is another way to uh, protect yourself. But going back, uh, going back to Jay's question, uh, how do you deal with stress? First of all, uh, let me tell you what stress means. It comes from Latin word distringere, which means uh, to stretch out. So stress really is not a bad thing. Stress forces us to stretch out, to, to extend ourselves, to make an effort to become stronger. We were challenged by stress of cold, so we stretched out, we developed different clothes. Uh, we, we were challenged by uh, big distances. We wanted to get from here to there, and it was taking a long time, so we developed better and better. We stretched out, we better, developed better means of transportation. So the challenges of the stress uh, are not so bad. They actually push us to, into progress. What is not healthy is the distress in truth, and that is resistance to stress, resistance to challenges, not accepting that, at, as Forrest Gump said in the movie Forrest Gump, shit happens, and it always does. This is life. So life is, people are, things are happening way beyond your control. I think St. Francis of Assisi has this beautiful prayer, God help me uh, to overcome, I don't remember exactly uh, uh, the words, but help me to deal with challenges that I can overcome and live in peace with the things that I cannot overcome. And that's best, the best attitude. Uh, but while having this attitude that life is, this is a very important thing. For example, let's say somebody's panicking. You can either join say, and begin to question, oh, well, what will happen? Or simply look at the person and say to yourself, this person is having a difficult time. This person is, is anxious. Uh, or if you are becoming anxious, rather than identifying with anxiety, you see, you, you, if you begin, oh, I'm so anxious, or I'm so angry, you and anger, you and anxiety are one. But when you disidentify yourself from emotion, then you have control over it. So if you say, instead of saying, I am so anxious, a wave of anxiety is trying to overcome me, or there is a part of me that is anxious, then you detach from it. You are looking at it from a distance. And then it's much easier. 
So this is one of the stress management techniques. Uh, we, but going back to, we lived through this two years. Uh, and I, again, I, there are many uh, theories out there. Uh, and I, I don't want to impose my view, but I do want to share with you that I believe that um, that that the COVID threat was grossly exaggerated, and the countries like Sweden that did not do lockdowns actually did had uh, fewer people die from COVID. And of course, industries were industry of Sweden was not destroyed like like American ones. It seems to me that there are special interests um, and very very powerful people behind it. Uh, and nevertheless, we have to say there is meaning to everything that happens. It means again, I, I believe in God, so I believe that we are always tested one way or another. And now we're tested who we're going to listen to. Uh, what choices we'll make, how we'll treat ourselves and others. The more extreme situation is, the more a person uh, is opening. You know, there is an expression, um, money changes people, but in truth, money does not change people. It simply reveals who they are. And the same thing with everything in life. Divorce does not change people. It reveals who they are. A war doesn't change people. It reveals who they are. And the same with, with this COVID-19. Uh, it, it did not change people. There are people who are like sheep, follow a voice, uh, get scared, and there are people who think for themselves and, and discern or make an effort to, to see where the truth is and where the stories are. And I encourage you, if you are listening only to uh, Fox News, let yourself listen to, to uh, CNN also, just to hear a different opinion. If you're listening only to uh, CNN, listen to what people on Fox News say. I, um, fortunately, I you know I speak uh, Russian, uh, Ukrainian, um, and a couple of other languages. But but I so I I listen to and I go on internet and I listen to what uh, Russians are saying, what the Ukrainians are saying, and with this a conflict or war or slaughter. And then I listen to BBC uh, and Fox News and, and CNN, because I want to get all information possible and then make my own decisions. That's very important, because when you make your own decisions, there is a sense of independence, sense of uh, mastery. When you become helpless, and you get attached to guides, possibly who want to guide you into an abyss, because they don't care. All they care about is their interest. You become a victim. So one, number one, you have to work on being independent. 
Number two, you have to introduce uh, some to yourself some physical routine that is healthy. You absolutely have to do it. By the way, if you if you want me to share with you the routine, go on my um, no not not on website. Send me an email, and I will gladly send you uh, a twenty minute uh, video. Uh, Qigong uh, video with Qigong exercises, 20 minutes in the morning, and also 20 minute routine in for the evening. Uh, I, I think they're fantastic. I do them. I, I do other exercises in the morning. Uh, but then at, at the end of my routine, I, I do this 20 minute uh, Qigong, which, which are fantastic. So you want to introduce a routine. You don't. You want to have order. That's most important. The opposite to order is disorder. The opposite to ease in life is dis-ease. Disorder is an illness. Disorder allows uh, our system to break down. So you always want to create order in your life. Uh, and so having a physical, uh, a good routine would be also a good uh, way of stress management. Uh, also, what happens during the day if we work, we accumulate a lot of stress. Uh, originally, when we dealt with stress, uh, originally I'm talking about thousands of years ago, or even hundreds of years ago, we developed this response, flight to fight response. We either fight or run away. But now the stress is uh, happening while we're watching news. So and there is no, no one to fight, no place to run. So we accumulate the stress in the body. Or we go to work and your boss talks to you in a disrespectful way and you cannot fight him back. So again, you swallow it and, and you store it in the body. So there is a, an exercise, I believe, that is very useful for anyone who goes through a stressful day. Let me give you this exercise. Now, if any of you want to participate, just sit comfortably. Close your eyes. Breathe gently and evenly. Long, slow exhalations. Nice and easy inhalations. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. And now think or imagine going uphill with the load of all your problems and challenges on your back. It can be all the challenges of the day or the week. And notice how it feels. Feel it. And now make a decision and drop the load, no matter what it is. Even if it's people, drop it. And with your new lightness, go uphill. And there, you see a beautiful waterfall. Take all your clothes off and stand under the fresh, pure 
water, cleansing and purifying yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. Now step out from under the waterfall. Let the sun, sun dry your body. Find new clothes nearby. Put it on. And open your eyes. If anybody wants to share what they experience, you're welcome to call and share. I sometimes do all a whole series of exercises like this, and people benefit by sharing their experiences because sometimes experience uh, reveals something that needs correction. So if, if something disturbing, let's say, came to your mind, a call, and I will gladly talk to you about, about your experience. Okay? I don't see any calls yet. So I, I will stop talking about the stress. I hope, I hope it was, Jay, I hope it was useful. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I have in the past spoke about stress. Uh, I think even had two full shows. If you go through my archives, I have two full shows where um, I discuss how to deal with stress. I simply spend a little more time today speaking about specifically COVID and how we deal with that. Uh, but but you can also listen to, to the other shows. Anybody else has any questions? Any callers? Any comments? Okay, we'll not let me have a sip of tea. Thank you, Jay, for question. That's that's a huge, huge subject. So let me go back and then nobody's calling. Uh, I spoke to you about uh, all, all the issues that we discussed, yes. And we discussed up to greed. Oh, yes, and I also told you, right, now I remember, I told you that I discovered two more, just this weekend, I discovered two more uh, problems or, or existential challenges that we all face. The way I discovered it is I started reading uh, writings of uh, Moses Maimonides, he lived in 11th, in 12th century. He was um, a personal physician of Sultan Saladin of Egypt. But also he was a great theologist, theologian, and he wrote a book called Mishnah Torah. And he spoke there about char character traits. And so he, I realized there were two that he mentioned. By the way, many, many traits he mentioned, uh, I, without reading his book, um, I have here, those that I mentioned to you, but two I did not know, I didn't think of, and so I'm thankful that, uh, that he wrote about it, and that's stinginess and wastefulness, the opposite of stinginess. So, so I, I have among this fifth pillar of well-being 
I told you what I covered, but I'm still to cover greed and denial, two subjects that I did write about and, and explored. But then there are now five more that I did not write anything about. And I'm totally open to your suggestions and your contributions. If you want to suggest what I should talk about, if you have examples, uh, definitions, uh, you're welcome to write to me or call. I will be happy and grateful for your help. So these are five impatience, self-centeredness, stubbornness, stinginess, and wastefulness. Five more subjects that I need to write to write up. And, and of course, once I write them, and now I don't have a choice because I am running out, I'm finishing out the fifth uh, pillar. But by the way, once I finish the fifth, fifth pillar, then there will be sixth pillar, the final one, your spiritual and or moral issues. And for that, I will be with that pillar, we'll not only have a discussion, but I will take you through some spiritual exercises. But first, I want to fully, fully discuss all the issues on this five, uh, fifth pillar, our conscious beliefs, attitudes, and character traits. Any callers? No, and I have only nine minutes. So let me, let me try now to talk a little bit about greed. Uh, well, in our modern consumerism-driven society, greed is actually subliminally encouraged. You know, we are bombarded by the media suggestions to pursue, always to pursue, to get something better, to acquire something different, more better and different, more better and different. Uh, it's on television and it's, it's in the magazines. Uh, some of you may be too young to remember that in, I believe in late 1980s, there was a movie, Wall Street, and the main character played by Michael Douglas, I believe, taught his protege, greed is good. And though in the movie, the character advocating this attitude of greed didn't end up well, the idea that greed impulse can bring you all that you want has been with us more than ever. It's not that people didn't have greed impulse uh, 3,000 years ago, uh, but now, now it's like we're bombarded by it. Uh, and if you don't have a certain car, if you don't have certain gadget, uh, or if you have an old gadget, like that seems like abnormal. Uh, if, if you don't have one of those cell phones, um, you know, they call it smartphones, but they're really uh, smart, but for not so, such, so smart people because they, they numb you. I have actually a little book uh, about what 
cell phones do for to our brain. Maybe we'll have a whole discussion about it, how how it destroys a person's mind. And they had some interesting experiments with cell phones. Um, but that's again, as I said, it's a different subject. Greed is responsible for crooked cops and crooked politicians. Greed, greed is the reason that the world is being run by insurance and pharmaceutical companies and weapons uh, production and, and petroleum industry. Greed causes, you know, this sex slavery of children and women. Uh, I, I was involved, I'm still involved, but just sending money. But um, a long time ago, I, I was privileged to meet a gentleman, Guy Jacobson, and he started a whole movement called the Red Light Children. Apparently, there are 2,000, uh, 2 million children right now, 2 million children right now, uh, bet between the age of 5 and 12, who are prostituted uh, as uh, sex slaves. So, and there is there are specific steps that Guy Jacobson, and he's Israeli, um, but he made certain steps. He created this organization you can explore called Red Light Children, and that's um, to fight this this affliction of our on our planet. But what runs what runs this industry? Greed people who create sex slavery and greed of people who use sex slaves. Why, why do I say greed? Because it's desire to have more pleasure. For them, it's pleasure. They know that it's not pleasurable for a five-year-old or seven-year-old. They know it but they agreed their desire is stronger than their morality. So greed is uh, one of the two major causes of alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, never ending desire for more pleasure, same. And one, it's also one of the two major causes of workaholism, more money. This is not enough, yet another thousand or another million. It's all, it's all greed. Uh, we'll talk, we'll continue talking about greed uh, next time because I really am um, running out of time now. I have to wrap up. But uh, I will gladly talk about the greed. But I, again, I, I want to remind you, I, I am not inviting people lately um, uh, as guests. I want to explore this avenue of people called you, ladies and gentlemen, calling in and asking questions and sharing with your stories. I would love that. And as I said, I'm still looking for ways. I'm still figuring out, trying to figure out um, where to take this show. I don't know this. I'm not a professional uh, showman. I don't know how to do uh, podcasts. Uh, Gary Noll asked me to do it a year and four months ago and didn't tell me anything. <laughs> said, come up with a name. I said, what to talk about? You will find. You know, I know you. You have a lot to say. Go ahead. So, and I've been still trying 
to figure out what's most interesting to you. So I'm, I welcome your feedback. I'm very grateful to you uh, for calling, sharing with your stories, or asking your questions. I hope uh, my answer addressing the, the stress issue and, uh, and also the question of BPH was useful to you today. Uh, thank you for being with me today, and I hope um, I will have your attention a week from now. Um, I wish you well. Peace to all who want to live in peace.